This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on. Like the Kubota BX and L01 Series Compact Tractors. Part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup. Rated number one for reliability. And Z-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles. Where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Mike Gregg in the lower square. In the right-hand square is Max Cohen, and I'm Russ Goldman. In this episode, we're going to be looking back at the 2-1 to loss for Fulham against Crystal Palace. It was a disappointing result for Fulham. We're going to go through it, and we have some other topics that we're going to go through as well because I thought on this show, we're going to look at the big picture the ramifications of this loss and what does that mean for Fulham? So before I do anything else, I want to welcome my co-host back to the show. Max, how are you doing? You know, there have been better mornings, Ross, um, obviously. You think? (laughs) For sure. But listen, I think Fulham Twitter, as always, was a cesspool yesterday and still will be today. But a lot of things to discuss. And you have to look at a lot of failures across the team. But the biggest thing for me is, it's a sucker punch. That's where sucker punch football club. As soon as we start playing well, as soon as we start creating chances or playing positive football, we concede. And that came back to bite us uh, against Palace. And it's really done that all season and did it all the relegation season two seasons ago. And it's a worst quality to have as a football club. And I think we're going to get into a lot of conversations about the future. Yes. A lot of things can change, but you have to change mentality. And the mentality of a sucker punch club is so hard to change. And once we get that winning mentality, that Premier League mentality, we'll be fine. But that's the hardest thing to get, I think. Um, and we just don't play like a Premier League team. That's simple as that. Well, what's interesting about this, Max, and then I'll get Mike's thoughts on this. When I talked to Emilio last night, when you look at it, when you watch the match, you know, I 
have to go back to two seasons ago. And when you look at Crystal Palace, and I was fearful of this. I was fearful of playing against a Roy team that was going to sit back and then just hit us on the counter and do what they do. They are a well-drilled team, and they are a dangerous team on the break. And all my fears came to fruition. You can have all the possession in the world, but if you don't do anything with it, you're going to get hit, like you said, with two sucker punches, and then it's over. You yeah. know, you know, you are fighting an uphill struggle. Even one goal, as we talked about on the preview show, that first goal was massive. And for them to get it, Fulham were in serious trouble. So we're going to talk about that. Mike, over to you. Your opening thoughts on uh, what happened yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we cleared out a lot of the ball and everything. But, I mean, I'm, I must admit, I'm going into almost every game wondering how we're going to get anything out of it. We just, you know, for various reasons, which I'm sure we'll talk about, I'm just, there's nothing convincing about anything we're doing at the moment. And uh, we... Um, you know, we had all the possession. That's a discussion we've had for like five years, six years about possession and, uh, you know, what does it actually lead to? Um, and I'm a big advocate of it. You know, we've had long discussions uh, about that. But it's got to be with a purpose as well. And um, and Palace, typical, I mean, I tweeted during the game, Palace just soak it up and wait for a chance. And that's a Roy way of doing things. And, uh, you know, here sit deep. I mean, it was interesting looking at the... There's a diagram going around, isn't there, on Twitter of all our passes and how it's sideways. And, but but you compare that to, say, a Jokanovic pass, Matt, from uh, you know our, champ, our championship season with him. And we were much deeper. You know, we were, it was all, a lot of it was in front of our box, whereas a lot of those right. passes yesterday, they are further up the field. Um, but that's the Palace way, isn't it? That, that's the Fulham way under Roy is you soak it up, you soak it up. You, you know, you defend as a unit and uh, and then you look for the, the sucker punch and, and, and we were hit with them twice with two really nice passes and, you know, around statues, which is what we were. So I'm, I, I'm struggling to see where we're going to get a win, a point. And so yesterday we lost, not unexpected, um, really, um, because like I say, I'm just, nothing's convincing. The lineup, the individual players, um, we're still finding our way, and uh, so yeah, disappointed, but quite frankly, not unexpected. Okay, all right, let's get into this a little bit, and uh, I want to give credit to the guys on uh, full time on Fulmish because they were talking about this, and I thought we should talk about this as well. So, Mike, back over to you. Let's talk about the danger for Crystal Palace, their left side against our right side. This is to me. Again, we'll also talk about Fulham's left side because, as the guys on Fulmish mentioned, this is where we had our most joy. But our right-hand side against their left side, to me, this was the weakness. This is where they took advantage of us, Mike. Your thoughts? I mean, the left-hand side, anyone who's got access to, you know, whoscored.com or, or any of those type of things will be able to see, yeah. um, you know, the map, the heat map of, the, of yesterday's match. And, uh, I mean, it is totally for them left-sided uh, heavy and uh, it's um, you know it shows really if you like our left side with Lookman and Robinson how well they did uh, but basically Zaha you know oh. down that side um, we were under attack all the time and 
you know, you have to you have to say, did we give the right back uh, enough defence, um, or did he get forward too much to allow him too much space? I mean, it's a it's a difficult one, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's all down that side. We knew where the danger was. I mean, if I can, am I allowed to share a screen, Russ? I don't know if you can share a screen on that. I've never tried that, Mike. To be okay, honest, with you. Let, me, <laughs> let me try this. One. Do, try do it live. Wow. Okay. We're, we're trying this live. Mike's going to try something. Let's see if it works. I'm not sure if it's going to work. So can you see that? Yeah. Uh, let's see if I can I can add that to the stream. Oh, wow. There we go. Yeah. Oh, so, technological improvement. Thank you, so, you can, so you can see that, yeah? Yes. I mean, that, that is the heat map from yesterday. This is where we were, you know, strongest. I mean, we had the ball a lot down this side, down the right and, and the left. But I mean, that's where they were venturing all the time, and so they're here, and we're and we're up here somewhere, you know. So, you know, it's um, exactly what you say. We know where the problem's going to be, and and did we have the plan in place to deal with that? And I would have to say, I'm not on the right side, not against the hard. So, it's um, you know, it was obvious for everyone. That's where Palace's you know threat comes from. And uh, and we didn't deal with it. And you look at the way he plays for them, and you look at our individual players. You know, Lookman, Loftus Creek, and uh, Lamina <laughs> and Angrisi. All these are good players, but are they right. being given the are they being given the freedom to do that? To 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 be um, expressive and that type of stuff. And I I just wonder if that's one of the issues. And hopefully, we can talk about it a bit later. That's exactly what I want to talk about, Mike, because when we talk about who do you blame for the loss, we'll talk about that in a second. I want to talk about the tactics from Parker. Are they being told, Mike, to play a certain way? Are they being told that they really can't take any risks? Because as you see with Crystal Palace, they know who they are, but they also have the ability to take that, those risks and still flourish. Fulham don't. Fulham are just very passive as a, uh, I was um, watching the broadcast at after the match. They, the uh, the presenters were talking about how how Fulham were tame, and and I think that's a good way to put it. In their possession, Mike, they were tame. They were unwilling to make that pass to unlock a defense. Yeah, I mean, we have to you know just remember Roy's been there for a few years, and we know from experience that it takes time for Roy to get his team playing the way he wants. You know. Um, Parker has had, you know, a lot of this team for what less than four weeks, you know, and yep. um, you know, again, second lineup in a row where we've got eight players who weren't eight players starting who weren't playing for us last year. So it's going to take take time for them to to learn this way. But but of course, you would expect a team to be playing the way the manager wants them to. Maybe not perfectly, right? Um, and he, I think he mentioned yesterday we were playing a bit too safe. But, he did say you know, that. But the passing, the initial passing, the tactics, what to do, that is, that is the manager. You know, that's his call. And so these small little passes, you know, he will have been telling, you know, they would have been working on it and Greaser gets it, he looks to pass to someone. Kenny gets it, he looks to pass. Loftus Creek, who are you looking for? So all of that passing, uh, you know, is working to a pattern. And, if, and, you know, one of those criticisms that's coming on Twitter yesterday and today is it's it's all little small passing. It's not really going anywhere. My issue is not so much that kind of passing. I think there's a sweet spot. I've mentioned it before. Yep. You can you can have too much possession, 
I know it sounds silly, but you can. And there are stats that show if you have too much, you actually don't create much concerts. And, and we're we're over that sort of bit at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And and you look at those those passes outside that eighteen yard box where there's there's almost like a false field and you can't get in it. But that's also because we haven't got runners, you know. So look when we'll run with the ball. Absolutely, and he looks really good. I he mean, does. he looks like he look he looks like he could fit him with any Premier League team. Loftus Creek is still getting fit. Um, a lot of criticism from Mitrovic, but we know he's not a runner. But he's that guy no. who should be in the middle, and people run around him. Exactly. You know, but so if he's the only guy in the box, I mean, that was another thing from yesterday. You look at Palace when they're attacking; they get in our box. They will have two, three players. They had five. Know, yeah. But we, we, and we, it's been a constant for us probably the last two or three years, even last year with the promotion, is you had Mitrovic in the box. But, but where's the others? You know, even the wide men, Cavalero and that, when they were playing last year, would not get in the box. And we, that's where I'm struggling with. You know, these are all good players. Um, and Guisa shows it a little bit, but he's he playing so deep. He's playing so deep. He's, he's not going to get the chance to run in the box. Uh, and Kearney, for whatever reason, you know, he played a little bit further forward yesterday. Um, but he's ne- he's never been really a late runner into the box or anything like that. He, his goal is a prime Kearney, you know, that's what he does. Yeah. That's what he's good. So they, they are playing to the manager's, you know, plans, tactics. And, and so he, throughout all of this, the players and the, and the manager have to take responsibility for what happens on the field right. yesterday. Other stuff, transfers, long-term <laughs> plans, that's someone else, and we will talk about that, I'm sure. Absolutely. But yeah, as soon as they cross that line, it is, you know, it is Parker's responsibility. Okay, very good. Max, over to you. I want to get your thoughts on what Mike just shared. We just started off by talking about the left side for Crystal Palace, but it obviously took us to a different direction where we're talking about how they were able to penetrate Fulham and how Fulham were not able to penetrate Crystal Palace, which I'm glad Mike took us to, because that is also the crux of all of this. And uh, I didn't get a chance to mention this to Mike, but I'll, I'll mention this now. Again, uh, I, we got some interesting commentary after the match, and there was criticism. And again, I'm be curious your thoughts about Tom Kearney. You know, I, again, the criticism started at halftime about the goal from Robbie Musto. I, I mentioned that on the uh, full-time show. But also it was the talk after the match talking about him not making that pass, making that that pass to unlock a defense. They were critical of him on the NBC broadcast after the match. What are your thoughts about what Mike shared and also what I'm talking about with the criticism of Kearney? Is it warranted? Yeah, I'll just discuss Kearney first. I think for the first goal, 100% warranted. He just doesn't track his men, and it's, it's a diffusion of responsibility. And you just see him point. He lazily points, trying to get someone to track the runner. Yep. That's not how football works. That's not how your captain should be playing. And we all know by now he's, he's not a captain. I think everyone knows he can be a great, skilled footballer, but he's not a leader on the pitch. And, you know, we obviously know Kevin McDonald, but, you know, people are saying the comments. I think Kevin, most prominently, where are the leaders in this team? And they're just not there. And, and when you have a captain like Kearney, as you mentioned, isn't tracking runners into the box. That's criminal. Uh, and it's not incisive enough. I think that's probably a bit harsh. I think I was watching the same match as you or Russ and the yeah. commentator. You, you really heard it, right? Said, I think, yeah, honestly, I think it was harsh. But okay. essentially he said he plays more sideways passes and incisive balls up forward. I think that's a fair criticism. But I think the single carrying out is perhaps a bit unfair. Um, 
But I want to talk about the left side because I think it's a really good way to look at Parker's tactics for the match, right? The left side for form? Uh, no, Palace's left side, right, where okay. they had the most um, danger. Okay. Of course, you have Aina on Zaha, and that's a terrible matchup any day of the week. And listen, I don't love Aina. He's not my favorite player. But again, any right back in the Premier League is going to struggle one-on-one with Zaha. And so as people mentioned, give him help. Give Aina help in that right back position. But what I think when Parker really failed in this match is that he played Loftus-Cheek on the right side of that midfield three, you know, ahead of the two holding midfielders. And we know Loftus-Cheek's, he's not a winger. He's going to be a central midfielder, a box-to-box midfielder. And so he's tucked in so far to the left that there is no right winger giving Aina any cover. So as soon as Zaha had the ball, he was running straight at the right back, our right back. And that's just not going to work. And especially once Loftus-Cheek tucked in an attack, you really relied on Aina to put in delivery in the box. And we know that's another That's one not a strength. That's not a strength at all, let's be clear. So we missed out on the right wing attackingly and defensively. It's essentially wide open for Zaha and Mitchell, the Palace left back to attack. And we suffered for an all match. So, and then what's the solution? Well, the solution is maybe play someone like Kamara. And what does he do? He gets sent off very silly. <laughs> and that was just the chair on top. It just was not our day. But no. I'm going to have to point the finger tactically at Parker in that instance. Okay. You can't fit in all those central midfielders. Either you, you take out Lamina, right, and play a little bit of a 4-3-3 system. But you can't fit Kearney and Gisa off this cheek, Lamina. You can't have four center mids on the same side. Okay. But you, you only really have one winger on the pitch, and it's Lookman, and nothing comes down the right. There's not the balance, Max, because you have a threat from one side and not a threat from the other side. Because I was also going to mention Fulham's left-hand side because you had Lookman and Robinson, who I thought did a very nice job, but there was not that balance on the other side. And, Mike, I want to go back to you because this is something that I was thinking about. I'm glad that Max brought up talking about Loftus-Cheek. And I agree with you. I don't think he's fit and ready to go, but was he played out of position? Because, again, there were a couple passengers in this match. And I'm thinking of two off the top of my head. And, and if you can name another, feel free to, or, or even more than that. The passengers for me were Loftus-Cheek and Mario Lamina. In fact, Emilio said on full-time, he thought that they should have replaced Lamina at halftime and brought on Harrison Reed. So what are your thoughts about what Max said about Loftus-Cheek? It, that again, I understand what Park is doing. He's trying to get all of his best players on the pitch, but was he suited for that position and also did Lamina do enough as Emilio said he thought that he should have been taken off um yeah Lamina I mean if you I'm not going to put any more maps up but if you look at him he, he was all over the pitch and I mean he he sits in front of the in front of the defense yep. he is all over the pitch okay uh, so I think in some ways he did his job um he, did he contribute much in the fact chances, all that kind of stuff. Probably not, but as a shield for the defence, he probably did his job. Um, The concern on the right side is if you look at um, where Anguissa had most of the touches, it was probably where Loftus Creek should have been, you know, or or that right-sided player. Um, Anguissa was being pulled over far too much on that side. And, um, yeah, Loftus Creek, a passenger, we just... Whether he, we know he's not quite fit yet, but okay. um, it's trying to find the best role for him. And certainly yesterday was not the role for him. And it certainly didn't help the team. So a passenger in the fact that we never got the best out of him. Then right. Yes. And, uh, and I felt we were a bit lopsided on that front. 
and and Max is right. You cannot. You have to build a team. It's not necessarily sticking out what you consider to be the best eleven players. Exactly. Sometimes, sometimes you have to leave a player out who is is a best player, shall we say, to get the right team out there. And um, at the moment, we look like a team of midfielders, um, but you know we're struggling with other stuff. You know, and so no, you can't. I, certainly, yesterday's formation, you can't fit Creek, Lamina, and Grisa. Uh, Kearney, all within that team, I, I don't think, at the moment, unless he comes out with it. I think to do it, you need to go to three centre-backs. So that's the only way I can see it working, okay. and, two, and two wing-backs. Okay. Um, and that might be the route. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly veering towards that direction, uh, given what I'm still seeing. Um, but uh, initially, we have to find a way of Lookman's the best player at the moment. How can Absolutely. we get the best out of him? So let's not nullify what he can do. You know, if anything, let's, you know, let, let's see what we can do, you know, to get the best out of him. What's his best position? I mean, it's interesting if you look at, um, again, look at Zaha. He never gets down in the, the bottom corner to get a crossing. And yet he's the wide left player. That's for other people. And Robinson, you know, his crossing was appalling yesterday. Um, but he wasn't alone. <laughs> he wasn't alone at all. Um, but we just, I think gone are the days when wingers, you know, wingers or women get down to the byline and, and pull it back. It's just, you know, we're going inside all the time. And right. I would like us to look at that as well. But, uh, yeah, just the balance yesterday, it was wrong. Um, oh. And I, I can't see what he was trying to do in some ways. Okay. Max, over to you, your thoughts on what Mike just shared, because you've already mentioned, we were already talking about the balance, right? So thoughts on what I shared about the passengers and, and what Mike shared there, because uh, again, I'm glad that you mentioned this. It's not, a, and Mike as well, it's not about putting out your best 11. It's about putting out the best team with the best of best players for that opponent. And I don't think that the players he put out there, even though it looked good on paper, I don't think it worked. And I think uh, part of the problem was off the cheek out of position. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, Mike's comment about the team of midfielders is just yeah. spot on. I think Absolutely. that's a great analysis. But again, you know, the transfer window's gone, so we're not going to win too much. But I think I was someone who didn't necessarily see the need for another striker, you know? And I think I've been proven dead wrong in, in this match. And we want to talk about a passenger. Let's talk about Alexander Mitrovic, right? I think the one chance that I think of he had. He blazed over the bar, and it was a difficult chance. I know Scott Dan got a toe in it. It was after looking to hit the post. Well, that's a wide-open goal. And as a striker, as Mitrovic, you thrive in that six-yard box. You have to be on your toes. He has to anticipate that quicker than the center half, and he didn't, and he fluffed his lines. And you think throughout the match, he's getting terrible service. We know that. We know our, our wingers can't put in crosses, and the wingbacks aren't much better. He's been dealt a tough hand. But what I saw from Mitrovic was so minimal. And we can't afford to have a passenger like that who should be our best player. Um, and, you know, people have speculated there's no competition for places. He knows week in, week out, he will play. Right. It's not affected. You know, of course, he missed a penalty, conceded a penalty last week. Is that weighing in on him? I'm not sure the exact root cause, but he's not been good enough. And we can't afford to have our main goal scorer just be absent for, you know, massive stretches of the match. Um, Mike's right. Lookman's the best player right now. But again, you can't rely on one player to create everything. You know, that was a Mitrovic problem last year, and now we're just transferring that responsibility onto Lookman. And, you know, we spent so much time, and me personally, on the defense. 
But yesterday, the defense wasn't the issue. No, uh, it wasn't. Defense was largely, it was fine. It wasn't brilliant. But the issue now is the attack. Um, and did we not invest heavily enough in the center forward position? And also, there's a, kind of the running joke, right? Oh, you know, we're, we're wingers FC. All we sign is wingers. Well, the best <laughs> signing of the summer, in my opinion, is Lookman, a winger. And yep. you look at that right wing position, and it's absent. You know? It's absent. I love Kamara. He's not a Premier League starter. No. And you look past that, and who's going to play in that position? Uh, and it seems like we've kind of played ourselves because we hate the club for signing wingers. In all honesty, we're a right winger short. I think that plays into a big role of why we struggled. You know, I talk about Loftus Cheek, but it's also the delivery. If Mitrich can't get good crosses, he's going to sulk. He's going to miss chances like he did, you know, past couple weeks. And you're not going to get the best out of him. So I think there's a whole litany of issues. But for once, the defense was probably not the main worry. Okay, very good. All right, before we get into this match a little bit more, I do have some topics I want to bring up. And and uh, I'm going to leave the starting 11 for just a bit because I have some questions for you guys when we talk about the starting 11. But I want to start here because, again, these are big picture topics well first of all this is really about the match so and i did a poll guys i'm going to put this up who do you blame for the foam loss and um, the poll actually right now has about 232 votes i put it up late and the potential um places to go are players parker and coaching staff tony khan all of the above so after 232 votes players is at 16 percent parker and coaching staff is at 21 percent tony khan is at 20 percent all of the above is at 43%. Mike, over to you. Thoughts on who to blame for the loss? You know what? I always say this, so I'm going to say, and it's, and I should have said this on full time, I actually agree with the numbers so far. It, for me, it's all of the above. Hey, yeah, totally. I mean, it's, I think as I, said, as I said earlier, you know, once they cross the line, it's the manager um, who has to take responsibility for the in-match tactics, that type of stuff. And uh, Tony, has to, Tony and the scouts and, and the management of the club have to, have to accept that once again, we've built a unbalanced squad, which has holes in it, yep. um, late. And, okay, you can't, you can't uh, factor in injuries that happen on the training pitch. But you certainly can factor in injuries for a player or somebody recovering from an injury who you sign at the last minute because all your other people have fallen in, you know. So um, it is the squad we, you know, we are, I personally, I think we are a striker short, a, a striker who can play uh, in place of Mitrovic or even with him or, you know, um, just another choice. Some Something somebody to take the weight off his shoulders for Christ's sake. You know, I mean, there was a little discussion on Twitter this morning about him, and uh, you know, he hasn't been he hasn't been playing well, and you know he does sulk. He, he does have these little runs with us, you know, four or five games where he doesn't really go for him, and then suddenly he get out of nowhere. Um, I'm confident that he will come he will come back and and, and do well for us, uh, but he should have had help. Um, we of course had a right winger, or well, we had somebody who was playing on the right who we've let go. Um, and so, but again, I know that's a position that other people have said we needed, and they're probably right. Um, and also, you've got to look at uh, look at the squad completely as a whole. The twenty five that was named during the week, and you know, it's four players left out um, of the squad for various reasons. 
um, which shows we've just thrown a load of mud at the wall, really, in the hope that it's going to work. And uh, yeah, it's so the blame. Yeah, it's across the board. Yeah, and I don't. My views on Parker are well known, but he's had to start the year with a you know hand behind his back. Um, um, and hopefully we'll discuss something else later on. But, you know, there may reach a point soon where the club may want to make a decision on, on him. But who makes the decision on Tony? You know, that's the question. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a fair poll. It is everyone. It's no, yeah. no singular person. I agree with the poll. That's why I wanted to put that up. And I wanted to put it out there because I've always said – that you win and lose and draw as a team. So if you're going to talk about the team, you have to talk about it as a whole. So I just wanted to present it, and it came out that way, Max. So what are your thoughts about the poll and what Mike and myself just shared there? Yeah, it's always going to be all of the above in this situation because it's so hard to single one person out. But I do want to highlight the players for a second because they're not they're not performing, but, again, it's not really their fault, is it? You know, you play against a team like Palace, and Mike mentioned this. They've been an established Premier League team for, what, six, seven years now? Yeah. And Roy Hodgson has drilled that squad so well. They know each other. And I don't think we can make This is why point. I was fearful yeah. of this match, Max. Yeah, You're it, telling me why I was fearful. It's true. But honestly, you look at the Palace team that played yesterday, right? And they have someone like Kuyate playing center half. They have this youngster, Mitchell, playing left back. Yeah. Um, I know they made change in the center midfield. No, Milivojevic comes in. Rilevald comes in. You can't. I can't really make the claim that this is like the same eleven. They don't change it. It was actually a fairly changed squad. Batshuayi just signed on loan again, so it's not as if they're playing the same eleven each week. But what they do have is something they train together, and they have a cohesive manager who knows how they want to play. And you come against a squad like us, and as Mike mentioned, a majority of the team are summer signings. Not a bad thing. We needed summer signings, but you can't honestly expect this team to gel in the short amount of time we have. And and that's the reality of how I, I think people knew. It would yep. be such an uphill battle when there was such a short preseason, right? Or promoted August the 4th. I knew, I knew they were going to have an uphill struggle, Max. Next There's month. no question yeah. about it. And as you know, Constantino saying in the comments, we don't have enough time. We run out of games. And I, I see the argument so clearly that you know this team might gel, I think, in a month or so. But by that time, we might already be down. Look at the stretch of fixtures coming up after West Oh, Brown. I know. I know. What West Ham, uh, Leicester, Everton, City, Liverpool after that. Uh, we still have so many tough fixtures to go. And as Mike said, where are the wins going to come from? So just for the loss, who do you blame? The players obviously not performing. You, know, you don't have that cutting edge. We have no ruthlessness about us as a team. This is very true. Um, and I don't just mean passing sideways. No, I, mean, I know what you mean. It's, it's the now, it's the know-how. Yep. When you're in that position of dominance in a match, getting the goal. Because once that slips, we saw it perfectly. Palace were a team who were well-drilled, but had the street smarts to win the Premier League. And ruthless. And ruthless. And I don't know who to blame for that, per se, right? Parker, you can blame because I think the setup maybe wasn't the best. You know, can talk about the right winger, but also... Are they, they afraid to make a mistake, Max? But again, that's something which has to be learned. It's an intangible, yep. which is so frustrating for us as fans because right. I think for a large stretch of the match, we played quick attacking football. There was a period right before we conceded in the second half, and Gisa won the ball back after losing it. Lookman won the ball back after losing it. And we pinned Palace back ascending their own half. And we looked like we were up for it. We wanted that goal, and we wanted that equalizer. There was no cutting edge, and then as soon as we started playing well, counterattack, we concede. And you sit back as a fan, and, and you're like, what can we do about that? You know? Right. 
and it's not finishing our chances. And then you can also go, well, why haven't we done that? You can blame the transfer policy. We haven't identified positions of need, and when we have, it's been too late. So I think the answer all of the above is a great answer for all the reasons I just listed. Um, but I, I do want to take a step back, and as people said, what did we expect? You know, I was talking to my dad yesterday, and he was like, Max, obviously it's terrible. You know, we're, we're bottom of the league, no wins in the first six. But did we expect something different? And if we did, were we just being hope, uh, hopeful fans and just being optimistic because we love Fulham? Because we're in the toughest league in the world. Yeah. We had the shortest preseason. We're in a manager who's essentially managing his first full season in the top flight. We have a whole host of new signings who haven't had time to gel. And we're playing against teams who've been in this league and are well-drilled. And even the promoted teams you know, look like they're doing a lot better than us in terms of leads. So did we expect to any better? I don't know. Is this just how it was always going to go? Well, Max, great point. And I agree with everything that you just said because they were up against it. But here's the thing that all three of us are on and probably all agree on. That doesn't take away the frustration. That no. doesn't take away Agreed. the opportunities that were still there for them to get the points. Yes, they're up against it, but they still have the opportunities. And I agree with this. I actually think they will gel. The question is, will it be too late? And right now they are running out of time. And that's one of the great things that Mike does. Mike does great things with numbers. And the numbers look horrible right now for Fulham. They look down right now. So they have to change it quickly. They have to gel quickly. And I think that they will. But will it be in time? That's the question. But Guys, before we go on any further, I want to share this with you because, again, I keep going back to the NBC Sports uh, post-match show, but they talked about this. Actually, it was Robbie Earl mentioned this. So, Mike, I want to go to you because I want to get your thoughts on this because uh, I find this interesting. This is from Des Lynch. Perhaps we're suffering from lack of home fans more than other teams. What do you reckon? What are your thoughts about that, Mike? Um, well, um... <laughs> It's funny, I read an article and I, I can't find it. It was one of these sort of links, you read it and you think, oh, that's really good. And I didn't bookmark it or anything or <laughs> save it. I can't even remember what side it was on. But it was an interesting analysis of um, the amount of goals being scored this year. Yeah. In, all, in a lot of the leagues and comments from some players and the lack of crowds creates a, there's a lack of intensity in the players, you know, you're not getting the, the comments from the sideline of, you know, to, to get in there and, and, and that kind of stuff, or even, you know, just the boost you need. So right. someone, someone on Twitter this morning mentioned about Mitrovic, maybe he plays better with the crowd on him, you know? Um, so, I mean, it's an interesting subject. I don't know, you know, studies, that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I'm not so sure at the college. I mean, you know, three sides of it. Um, we had fans there two years ago. They didn't really help us. But, um, you know, so there's more to it. There's more to it than that, I think. Okay. Um, uh, as a spectacle and as a – is the game as intense as it would be in a proper league? I don't think it is. It's above a training game, but it's yeah. not It's not quite at that level, is it? Um, but, no, I, I wouldn't use that as an excuse at all. Okay. Okay. Max, what are your thoughts about that? Then we'll move on. Well, anyone who's been to the cottage on a match day knows it's not, you know, your most imposing of atmospheres, right? You're not going to be yelling for the 90 minutes standing up and chanting like the Bundesliga does or any other team in England. So I wouldn't go that far and say that we're the most intimidating atmosphere. You know, we, the cottage always shows up on the list of 
opposing players say, oh yeah, we love to play there. So I think that tells you about all you need to know about that. But I think there's something to said about like the home confines and you know the pitch really well. You know, you know how just your dressing room is comfort. Um, and I don't know if fans play a big role in that. I think the intensity point made by Mike is very interesting that it's more kind of laid back and that's why more, more goals are seeping in. Players don't feel as, as up to it without, you know, thousands of screaming fans at them. That, that, that's really interesting to think about. I think that's probably true. But I don't know because I feel like, you know, every side, honestly, is facing the same issue that there are no fans. You could argue the relegate, uh, sorry, the newly promoted sides are the ones who need the home advantage the most. Yep. But I'll go back to my original point, which is that I don't think we have the most intimidating atmosphere. So I don't think we benefit from that anyway. Okay. Very good, guys. All right. You know what, Russ? I just think we're not a very good team. Okay. <laughs> Simple as that. I think we're, benefiting. we're not benefiting from our, our poor starting 11, honestly. Okay. Excellent there, Max. All right. Coming up next, we're going to look at options that Mike tweeted about for Fulham's future this season. And I find them interesting. And I think that's a good way for us to transition and talk about it. Then we will finish up with looking back at this loss. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business, especially in today's economy. But over 31,000 businesses do know their numbers because they use NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of financials, planning, budgeting, and inventory so you can manage risk and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. See why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com go. NetSuite.com go. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frames. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hon, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next up, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. Okay, Mike, I want to now go over some tweets. And, and again, what's so great about you is that you always look at the big picture. You always look at the match itself as well. So you look at both. You look at the short term and the long term. So you put out these three tweets. Uh, and again, I, I really can't put them on the screen, but I'm just going to go through the options and, and with you. The first option was stick with Parker. The second option was change the manager. These are the options for the team for this season. Third option, restructuring of off-field management. And I definitely want to get your thoughts on that. But let's start with the first one, because again, what should the club do? You actually, I think, put out the three options that are at their availability for this season. Let's talk about sticking with Parker. Can I just say that this is the one that I want Fulham to do? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit more to it than that. I mean, that sounds as if I'm saying, you know, we should sack him or not. I'm, I'm not saying no. that. I'm not, no, no. So it's similar to when Slav was here. So do so. We have to remember Slav is his contract was up at the end of that Premier League season, yep. and he hadn't signed an extension. Okay, and many fans wanted would have wanted him to stay. Now, and he was, you know, I think he lost six, seven on the trot before he got signed. Um, we had that run of six or something. And it's fine. I would have stuck with him if he'd signed a contract and said he was going to stay with the club for the next year in the championship. That, as the owner, If I was the owner, that's what I would have been looking to do. Um, 
what I'm saying in that tweet is, do you stick with Parker no matter what? Right. Okay. So, I mean, this could be, and I said it in the tweet, horrendous season. You know, there's people talking about the Derby figure of 11 points. I mean, I think we're going to get more than that. You know, I think we'll end up with 25 to 30 maybe. Yeah. Um, unless this team starts gelling from next week. <laughs> um, so, and if by doing that, you're saying, right, Parker is our manager no matter what. Right. We are going to lose right. lots of games in a row. I mean, there's a good chance we get to 10 games. I, I have this rule, and I've said on the show, and, and, that if you lose five in a row, there's something up, no matter what league you're in. And that's really, if a manager gets a sack at the end of five games that he's lost in a row, then sometimes I just think, yeah, that's fair. That's the gauge. You, you, you have to look at something. It could be the five best teams in the league you play. So you have to look at it in the sure. round. But, I mean, if we get to 10 or 11 games and he hasn't won one, he might pick another point or two. Is that sackable? Yes, but not in the circumstances we're in, I don't think, for him. Um, you know, he's not my choice, but he's not my choice say, he's got his hand behind his back and he's doing, you know, he's, he's doing what he can do. But saying that, eventually you have to look at what you have and get on with it. And he has, I keep being told, a lot of these players we've signed are good, you know, and, you know, their reputations are there. Yes, a couple of them are injured but they will come back. So, you know, he's got a little bit of leeway. So, but on the other hand, let's say they all come back. Let's say they play well, but we still don't pick up the points and we end up, you know, we get to Christmas with nine points or something. Do you just say, we're sticking with Parker, that's it, next year, we crack on in the championship? So that's option one. The second option is the calm way, which is when yep. you're in relegation, you sack the manager then you get a second one, and then you get a third one. That's the Premier League way. <laughs> uh, the second one, um, um, the first time, they went with Moulinstein. Um, yep. And he never had the experience of being a manager, let alone a Premier League manager, but he had the experience. Last time they went for uh, Claudio, which I didn't disagree about um, as a choice. Um, um, you know, you could I could show you stats as well where – I think we got eight, eight or nine points out of eight games. So actually, he was on target. And then Mawson got injured, and that screwed everything up. Yeah, I remember. Um, so do you go? I see Sam's name being mentioned, and God knows who else. Oh. Um, but yeah, that's the other choice, and you know that's the route the Cairns would go. They would go with a name because that's what they like. Um, and then of course, you know, Fulham Way will probably get a sack again. Probably anyway. Um. <laughs> But then again, would they come down to some of the names I'm seeing? They won't want to go into the championship, you know. No. Uh, so, so again, you know, what do you do there? And then the third choice is, yep, I'm... solid. You yep. know, we're, we're third Premier League season under the Cairns. We looks like we're going to go down. Um, late transfers again, gaps, not planning two years ahead. You know, on the on the pitch yesterday was Ream. On the bench was uh, Marshand and Adoy. You know, I mean, it was a great champion. Somebody said <laughs> championship bench. It was, you know. Um, and as well as the keeper has done, you know, for me, Rodex should still be the keeper. We should be building the team going forward with him. But so that, I don't think there's a plan. And you can look at Norwich. Okay, they went up and come down, but they have a very good director of football. West Brom have their own plans. You know, there's no kind of message within the club. There's no kind of 
you know, this is the way we're going to run things. Apart from the chaos we have every transfer window a day before it ends. And for me now, Tony has to step down. It's just one too many now. I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I've tried to say, yeah, he can balance the fact that he's doing three other jobs or whatever and allowing other people to do the jobs here. But no, we need a complete restructure. Now, whether that includes Parker or whether you go another route, has to be seen. But it needs to be from a director of football downwards, one message, one plan. Um, uh, I know how I would do it. Okay. Uh, uh, which would be youth sort of led, if you like. Um, but yeah, so that that that's where we are. I think we are at, at a turning point for this club. Okay. Are we going to continue to be a yo-yo club? Run, you know, with a director of football who's, you know, we are not his 100%, um, you know, focus. And um, are we just going to, you know, do what we're doing now, which is, you know, chaos. Okay, interesting, Mike. And as we talk about option three, and I just want to mention this, because while you're saying this, I'm thinking about another team here that when they have what they would call failure, they look at everything to do with the organization. And they not just look at the players and the coaches, they look at themselves as well. And I think it's smart to look at themselves as well and come up with a plan. Again, um, the situation with Tony is what it is. So, again, I hear your argument, and that's why I'm glad that we're talking about it because I think regardless, Fulham need to look at themselves and make a decision who they want to be. Like you said, do they want to be a yo-yo club? Do we need to make a change of off-field management? I think that they need to look at everything. So I would be in favor of them looking into it, and if they felt that they need to, to make a change. I'm talking about the chairman. The chairman then would need to make a change. But it really starts with him, Mike, when we're talking about the changing of off-field management. This has to be looking at the entire structure of Fulham. That's what we're talking about, right? Including Parker, including Tony. And they have to come up with how they're going to do business moving forward. I'm all for looking into that. So I understand what you're talking about. And then if the chairman thought they needed to make changes, then they need to make changes. But I understand why you're bringing up these options. Max, over to you. I want to get your thoughts on all three of the options that Mike had mentioned. I I think it's constructive to talk about this. And it's interesting because the first one, I'm on record as saying I want to stick with Parker no matter what. He wasn't my choice, but I want someone that's going to be there that they can build around. And I think the chopping and changing hasn't worked. The last time that I think that they've changed managers that it worked was actually bringing in Roy. That did work to survival. But more often than not, it hasn't worked under the cons. So I'm not sure if that's the solution to changing the managers. So that's the reason why I'm going with one. I'm open to Mike's third option. I am definitely open to that. I'm open to looking at it and coming up with a plan when you're really looking at a big picture. Who do we want to be? Your thoughts on the three options for Mike. If any Fulham fan is given the chance, it's number three, without a doubt. Of course, that's the least likely to happen, unfortunately. But because that's the way it is. When you're the chairman's son, you don't get sacked nine times out of ten, right? It's, it's a very difficult conversation to have, you know, taking away responsibility from someone who's your family. That's, yep. that's normally why in the United States we got rid of the monarchy. We have a meritocracy, or at least we hope, 
you know, there's reasons things aren't done just within the family. Um, but, you know, I'll digress from that point. Uh, the first option is probably going to be most likely, which is stick with Parker. And I'm okay with that. I think you have fans always bringing up, well, you know, Yukanovich got sacked and we were playing better back then. Yep. Mike, thank you, Mike, for bringing up the great point, which is it was a different situation. Yukanovich did not commit to Fulham, right? And we it's a great point by Mike. We, yeah, great, great point. point. Fantastic point because, you know, that's why I love to get in a podcast because so much of that is lost in the Twitter right, <laughs> of people. When you get, you can that's just right. Explain, you know, Yukanovich, he would have walked or he theoretically could have walked. He didn't commit his future to Craven Cottage. Parker has signed a contract, you know, long-term contract. We know no matter what happens next year, if we want him, Parker will likely stay, right? And that and that's big because I think no one was under any illusions that we'd finish fifth or, you know, challenge Europa League or right. get top 10. We knew it was going to be a slog. And there's always that, you know, thought in the back of our mind, we'll be back in the championship. And we'll have a manager, hopefully, if we're there, who knows how to get promoted in Parker. And that's a really appealing prospect as opposed to the instability, the chaos, the three manager a season. Um, and that is ridiculous. I mean, the two Premier League seasons we've been in yeah. before, six managers. Uh, and we can't have that again. We know that. We cannot have that instability. And, if you're telling me yeah. that, that they get another Roy Hodgson, then I'm on board. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, there's yeah, only one Roy options. Exactly. I'm not, I mean, Pochettino is, is the one, but of course they're not going to get They're him. not going to get Pochettino. Again, he, also, he's That's not a dream. Really that, they're not getting Pochettino. Oh, maybe in Southampton he was. But the thing is, yeah, we're not going to get a huge name. Or if it is a huge name, it's going to be a name like Allardyce, which you don't want. If it's Sam Allardyce, I pass, okay? Yeah. I, I, I don't even want to hear that name right now. And I'll hold up my hands and say I was probably very much in the sack slab brigade back in 2018. Okay. And I was very much drinking the Claudio Kool-Aid at the beginning. <laughs> But let's think, we have to realize the limits of a manager. Yep. You know, there are things Parker can, Parker can do, which I think will improve the team. Yep. But the key word is the team. You can't change the team you have. And even if we bring in a manager who's a survival expert, he's not going to be given a different team. He's going to have the same squad. And the reality is the squad hasn't gelled and isn't quite up to scratch compared to the other, you know, 20 Premier League, other 19 Premier League teams. So that's the limits of change a manager for me. And get the new manager bounce. But it's not going to change the fundamentals. And that's why I think, as Mike articulated really well, number three is the best option. You know, why are we in this position? Why, you know, of course, everyone knows getting promoted is a tough ask. Yep. And staying in the Premier League is even tougher. But it's not unheard of. You know, other teams do stay in the Premier League. We make it look really difficult in ourselves. We make it look like the hardest task in the world, but it's done. It's done pretty regularly each year. Why are we not in those teams? We need to ask those questions as you mentioned, Russ. Why can we not stay up? Why are we always seemingly doing things last minute? Why does it always take us by surprise? Why is there no planning? And that's why I think number three is needed. But as we know, it won't happen. Okay. Well, what's interesting about this, and and I'm glad that we're talking about this, because when you talk about restructuring, I think that they should seriously look into the whole structure of Fulham. And that includes Tony. That absolutely includes Tony, because – Again, Max, we're here in America, and uh, with the track record, you know, again, there have been some good seasons, again, getting us back from the championship to the Premier League, but then you have the other side. And I think many general managers over here in many sports, they would have been fired by now. So I think you need to look at that closely, and it's difficult. Like you said, you're talking about a family member, but I think you have to analyze it. You have to plan this is what we're going to do moving forward. This is who we are. Yeah. Right now, we're a yo-yo club, as Mike said. We are. Do you want to be a yo-yo club? 
if you don't want to be a yo-yo club, you need to look at yourself and you need to change and figure out what you want to be. And that starts from the top and that, and then it comes down the bottom. And, and again, they need to look at it as an organization, as a club, who do we want to be and figure it out. But as we're all talking and we're mentioning this, I personally think that the option that they're going to go with is one. That's what I think they're going to do. But I think they need to seriously look at option three. And I'm glad that Mike tweeted all this out because uh, he's spot on on this. He is completely spot on, giving us these three options. And if you're asking me, I want them to look at number three. Yeah. Okay, that's just really quick, though. I think just one one sentence. Alistair McIntosh also cannot escape blame. Absolutely. I'm glad glad that you brought him up. Absolutely. We haven't even mentioned him. Yeah. But also, there are other people high up in the club who've been present over this period of time. Who I think Sally, for whatever, whatever reason, I think it's probably unfair, kind of escape the blame and everything that's directed on Tony. Exactly, exactly. They Tony, all have to be under the microscope. Too. Yeah, totally agree. And and I'm glad that you brought up Alistair. Everyone needs to be looked at when when you do a restructuring. When you're thinking about it, you need to look at everyone, and then you need to make the changes that need you to have the ability to progress. So I'm all about number three. I'm glad that Mike brought that up. I want to look into that. I want to see Fulham change who they are from a yo-yo club. So, But that means looking at the whole club as a whole, look at the whole thing, and then if people have to go, people have to go. All right, good stuff. There's, there's, um, there's nothing actually wrong with being a yo-yo club, and I think a lot of fans would, can accept that. You know, There are lots of teams that go up and, and come down sure. again over, period, over periods. A lot, if you look at a record, a lot of teams who go – I mean, we had a bit of a, a divine, you know, we were in the Premier League for 13 years, then we went down and then we eventually yep. got back. Um, and then you'll see lots of teams, Burnley being one, for example, who went up, come down, then got back up and established themselves. And that's Absolutely. what we should be doing in this season. This should be the, the season exactly. where we learn from lessons. This should be our Burnley season, yes. Yeah, but, but we're not doing that. We haven't done that. No. And, and, and that's the issue, is the chaotic way that we are going from season to season, okay? You can be a well-run club, go up and down, you know, like Norwich, for example. Let's, let's use them as an example. Um, and which fans would accept in a certain, certain way if you could see that they're doing things in a, a logical, step-by-step process, okay? But the issue certainly I have is it's the chaotic every window we've got to find 10 or 11 players. I'm, I, keep being t- I keep saying to people that, you know, if we get, if we get relegated, we have a real issue next year, oh, in the summer of next year, because you've, once again we've gone down the, low, the loan route and a lot of those players, are they really going to want to come and play in the championship even if we have an option with them? Then you have people like Anguiza who is staying this year he won't want to go down, and he shouldn't go down because he's going to be one of the better players. Mitch Rich would have, whatever season he has, he will have stuck with us through two relegations and a promotion, or two promotions. It would be time for him to go on, you know. And so, and then suddenly, you know, you have, you still have Reem here, you still have a Doy, you still, you still have Marchand, who can all play in the championship. We all agree with that. But again, do you want to be kicking off next season? With any of those, I mean, the the Man City lad looks really good, and we've signed him, you know, and and he's he's young enough to take the relegation and accept that, I think. Um, but then we we'll go back to Rodak next year, won't we? 
because you know and, and you see what i mean and you end up with and and two of the mainstays of our championship years last few years mcdonald and johansson are going to be gone probably mike you know, you're not building they, anything the problem is you're just that's, that's what I'm saying. so yeah. next year next year we get relegated you want to come back and we're doing it all again you're repeating the same errors year after year. Basically, it's a pattern, Mike. And because I know what will happen. I know how they're going to build themselves up if they go down the championship. But then I know what's going to happen when they come back up again. So not, that's why your option three makes the most sense, Mike. It really does. They need to look at how they want to do their business. And I, I agree with you. I'm glad that you brought this up. It's not wrong to be a yo-yo club, like you said, Burnley. but Burnley. Yo-yoed, but now they're back up. Norwich has accepted who they are. Norwich fans accept who they are. I I know Norwich fans, but that's a well-run club. It's a well-run club. They understand who they are. And again, with Fulham, I think right now they need to figure out who they want to be. Do you want to be a team that just keeps doing this up and down, up and down? Because they can do it, but you're not building anything. The problem is there's, there's no... There's no foundation, Mike. There's no foundation. Yeah, you, you should have a turnover at, at, at the 11. should probably have a turnover. I don't know if Max agrees on this or not. Yeah. But I would look to say four players, maybe five at a push. Not no. eight. Okay, not eight. And uh, if you're going to do that every year, then you, you, you're just not going to go anywhere. You're just not going to do anything. Okay, very good. All right, guys. Uh we are short for time, so so we'll do looking back at the match fairly quickly. But I want to talk about this because I think it's also a talking point real quick. Mike, let's talk about the starting 11 because I want to get your thoughts and Max's because I've seen some criticism after the fact on the starting 11, so I want to get into that, and I'll mention this because when I looked at the starting 11, I liked the side, but I was concerned about Loftus cheek to be honest with you, be, being on the right-hand side. That was a concern. I wasn't concerned about Anthony Robinson at left back. Now, since then, if you go on Twitter, you've seen a lot of criticism. I thought he played fairly well, but he does not cross the ball well. Again, I've seen this enough. He doesn't. He's not a great crosser of the ball. So I'm going to ask you, did they make a mistake by not starting Joe Bryan? Because I've, I've seen people say, bring Joe Bryan back. Mike? I still would have gone with Anthony Robinson. I'm, th- I'm curious your thoughts on the starting 11. Um, I think for this game, I mean, it's, I, I like to give a player, you, you want to give a player a run. We all know what Brian can do. And, you know, he got a lot of criticism the last Premier League season. Um, obviously got us promoted with those two goals. Um, but I do like him. But it's a good chance to see Robinson. What's he, what's he got? And uh, we can see, you know, he certainly looks useful. Um, there are certain games now. If, if Sahar had been a right-sided player, then maybe you double up with, with Robinson and Brian, and I think we might see that quite a bit this year. Yeah. Um, against play against teams with a you know good right side, um, but I'm happy at the moment to see Robinson play. Yes, his crossing wasn't wasn't good, um, but then no one's was. So I'm not I'm not yeah. going to be hypercritical of him on that. Uh, crossing for us has been an issue for a long time. So it's horrible. I'm not, you know, it's, it's not new. Um, I, I think we're all happy to see Cavalero not in the 18, yep. um, or certainly not in the start. I think that's a statement, by the way. Well, I, I, 
I may have misread saying, but I think he may have an injury. But oh. he certainly didn't deserve to be starting after last week. You know, and that's what you want is players in the team who deserve to be in it. Um, but yeah, the worry was who's going to play on the right and how was that going to work? And in retrospect, it didn't, did it? So uh, the other thing as well is uh, is the bench. You look at the bench, and it, it was all last year's players, and. Um, you know, so there was nothing new there apart from, you know, it was good to see Reed back. So, uh, yep. so in the end, I think it was probably, the, it was a good chance to see Lamina play. Uh, and it was probably the best we could put out at the moment, even though I'm not Reem's fan at the moment. I can't think, you know, where's Hector? That's the big question for me. Yeah. What is going on there? Because I don't know, I don't know what's been, going on He's there. been training and, you know, is his confidence so shot? I don't know. You know. I don't know. But overall, fairly happy with the 11. Just okay. bar that question mark on the right. <laughs> okay. How about you, Max? I think it's odd that people are going after you know that left side, Robinson, Lookman. I think that was our best side. I think That's that what I thought. The most dangerous. I have no problem with that. Uh, the other thing I note, uh, you know, we talk about this a lot, but Loftus Cheek shouldn't be on the right. And, you know, I don't think Lamina played horribly. I don't know if I'm alone here. I thought he played decent. I thought he was actually pretty good. Um, so the starting 11 was strong for sure. It was on paper. Definitely. Uh, don't have many issues with that. Okay. Okay. Very good. All right, guys, quickly, let's go through both halves. I'll give you each one of you guys a half max. I'll give you the first half. Give me your analysis of the first half. Again, I'll just go through a couple quick moments. Of course, you've got the goal from Reedwald in ninth minute, but this had a lot to do with, uh, Wilfred Zaha. And then you have the shot by Lookman in the 14th minute. And then in the 17th minute, again, he was lively. And then in the 26th minute, I think this is the pivotal moment when you have um, Lookman who hits the post and the follow-up by Mitro goes over. And, uh, you know, I thought Fulham deserved to be even at the half max, what, but they weren't. What are your thoughts about the first half? Yeah, it was the classic kind of we start well, start in the front foot, kind of bright passing, switch of play. Thought it would be maybe a different afternoon. And then in Palace's first attack, we concede. Terrible habit we have of just conceding at right at the off. And I thought in the last two matches, we'd move past that. But it comes back to bite us, and you can't win matches when you always go behind. Every single match, go behind. Um, just not going to happen for us. We don't come back from behind, as you saw. And then the rest of the half, we didn't close it particularly strong. I think you, Lookman was the live wire. He was the man with the danger. But you're right, we don't take our chances either. So, yep. Disappointing first half, but you know, going in only one nil down, you still had hope. You know, it wasn't all, all despondent, and it wasn't like we were being battered. You know, we had the most possession, we created actually a couple of really good opportunities. It wasn't a poor performance by any means, but it was a lack of cutting edge and then defensive fragility. That combination was just you know that's that's classic Fulham. That's Fulham in the Premier League. Okay, excellent. All right, over to you, Mike. Let's talk about the second half and listen, Fulham. Had some opportunities early in the second half. You have an opportunity from Kearney off of a corner. It, you know, again, it went direct. I think the wind had something to do with that. In the 58th minute, Mitro's header from Kearney's uh, free kick goes over. That was a decent opportunity. Then you have a shot by Kearney in the 59th minute. And then Frank has an opportunity in the 63rd minute. Unfortunately, one minute later, you have the goal from Zaha. And uh, obviously, at that point, I think the match is pretty much over. And then you have an opportunity a few minutes later from Lookman that goes wide. And then Lookman again a minute over. And then later on, you have the red card from 
Kamara and, you know, again, at, at this point anyways, the match is over. And then at the very end, you have the goal from Tom Kearney that shows everyone that, hey, Tom Kearney can still shoot. He can still score. But it was uh, very little too late on that. So, Mike, give me your analysis of the second half. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I was surprised. I was surprised, actually, if we didn't see a, a sub at halftime. I would have probably brought Kamara on um, at halftime or even Reed, maybe. Yep. Uh, Bobby Reed. That was Emilio's call. Um, and you, you want to try and get into the game. And we had a couple of chances. But then, you know, we're done with almost, you know, you know a slide rule pass. We're standing around. They don't muck around, get the ball across. Guys, their scores. It's such a simple goal, but you know we that we're not doing that because we haven't got runners. We we are we're statues. You know we're like a chessboard. We're just standing there, and um, you know. And then you had Kamara come on for Frank, which I thought was a, a, a bit of an odd sub. I have to say, I would have probably taken the Mina off um, at that point. You know, two 0 down. But again, that's us being reactive. You know, maybe it would have been nice to see something at halftime uh, being proactive to try yes. and change things, you know, change formation, maybe move uh, Loftus Creek maybe closer to uh, Mitrovic uh, or, you know, something like that. Something, something to try and see it. Um, and as the half went on, yeah, we had a lot of the ball. But as I said uh, right at the beginning, it's the Palace way they were, or the Roy way. They were just sit, soak it up, soak it up. Oh, look, bang. We've got away and we scored. Um, Kamara Red, I thought, was unlucky. VAR, we could have a whole show on VAR. <laughs> I don't think yes, that's... It was, yeah, it was a foul. Yeah. Yes, he caught I don't him think it was late. intentional, though. No, it was, I mean, the thing is, when you know a player, when you watch players, you get to know all their niggles and you know what's naughty and what isn't. Yeah. And that's, that by him is just clumsy and and, and late. And, but it's not... It's, you know, in my, in my book, it's you know, he's been given it, so that means he's going to be out however many games it means now. Christ knows. Um, it was good to see Reed come on yep. and uh, get a little bit involved. And, yeah, the Kearney goal is the Kearney vintage, you know, and if anything, he doesn't do that enough. Um, but, again, you know, it's too little, too late, and nothing just nothing much was convincing, really. Um if we'd got that goal before the red, you know, who knows? And a nice last 10 minutes of, you know, pressure. And we may have seen something else. But, yeah, I didn't think uh, Bobby Reed did much when he come on. Um, so, yeah, it was just, uh, just ran out of steam. Um, the goal at the end makes it seem a bit better than it actually was the second half. But, in all fairness, it was over at the 2 0. Absolutely, Mike. It was over right then. And, uh, that's the unfortunate part, but it's funny. It's I've seen this movie before, and again, when I was looking at the match beforehand, and and uh, I I kept listening to Palace fans. I, I listened to a couple podcasts. They're they're complaining about Roy Hodgson. I mean, really complaining about Roy Hodgson about his style of play. And I'm thinking this is not a good matchup for Fulham because he'll know how to play against Fulham, and they are quick on the counter. And I, and I was fearful of Zaha. It all came true. It all came true for me. All my fears came true in this match. And that's why when I look at it and I can see that there are pauses because I can see that we can do something with this possession, but they just didn't do enough. I think you can build on that. 
but they just didn't do enough against a, t- a professional team, as Emilio said, that knew how to play against us. And it was a little bit different than two years ago, but the result's still the same. You know, the re- we just don't know how to win in this division. And that's what scares me, Mike, is that I think we have the players to gel. One, will they gel in time? And two, can they figure out how to win? Because right now, I don't think they know how to win in, in this division. And that's what we suffered two years ago. So that's the scary part of all this. There's a lot to really think about. But you know what? We'll see what happens against West Brom. Guess what? I'm going to say it again. It's a must win. Boy, I, I think I keep saying that each and every week. But listen, before we go, Mike, thank you so much for uh, joining Max and I today. Yeah, no problem. You know, it's uh, it'd be nice to join you after a win at some stage. It would be but, uh, next season. Don't worry, next season. <laughs> next season. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, yeah, we're just gonna. I mean, we've got four games left in November, and then we've got Man City. Oh. And if we're gonna have any chance, we need two wins from that four. I agree. Um, it's uh, you know, West Brom has to be the game we we kick it off. Uh, um, it's never over until right at the end, but you know we're giving ourselves no help at all. Not at um, all. I would. Ex- I don't think we're going to see any dramatic change on the Parker front. I think uh, he's going to stay, and 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 quite rightly as well, because yeah. as I say, at the moment he, you know, he has the right to do that. In four games, or the rest of this month, hopefully we'll have some players back for, uh, back from injury, and. We'll see what he can, you know, see what he's training, what the tactics are going forward. But um, I wouldn't look to reassess. If I was the club, I wouldn't look to reassess anything until the end of November and then see where we are. Okay. Excellent stuff. Max, final thoughts before we wrap this up. Yeah. It does feel kind of like a watershed moment after the Palace loss. It feels like a very negative mood. But the odd thing for me is I think we're in a better spot than after you know, let's say the Villa loss. That to me was more worrying because we hadn't brought in the players. It was still a very unformed squad. I think that 3-0 loss is worse um, in terms of the performance right. than the Palace loss. So in many ways, we are improving, but the more the more we lose must-win matches, Russ, as you mentioned, the harder the task gets. Right. Um, and I, I do feel the upcoming match against West Brom could be like a Huddersfield away match back in 2018, which is, of course, the last uh, match, or the second to last match, I guess, Slavisa had. Um, where you get the sense that if we lose that, it will get really ugly and Parker may, may get sacked. I don't think he will, but a loss there, because considering it's not just a loss, it's a loss to probably the only team in the league people think we can beat. And if we can't win that, then I think it gets very grim. So let's just brace ourselves for what might happen, hope for a win, but we lose that and then I think all bets are off because I think the cons might make a decision. I don't want them to, but I think faced with, let's say, one point from the opening seven and losing to your direct relegation rivals, it, it could look bad. But listen, I'm yeah, I, the best. Yeah, I, I can't see him doing that. I, I, I think they will stick with him. That's what I think. I, I was going to say, I did say to the end of November, didn't I? Um, yeah, you did. Actually, then, but then you have Man City and Liverpool. Now, if I was somebody sitting on the sidelines... And somebody comes to me on the 1st of December and says, do you want to take over Fulham your next two games? A man seeing lip pocket. Well, give me two weeks to think about it. Um, <laughs> so I suspect he'll be at least until the Liverpool game. Uh, yeah. But he should be here longer, shouldn't he, really? Uh, yes. Maybe a full of him individually. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, oh God, it's such a massive game, West Brom. 
It is, Mike. But the, re- the reason I said after West Brom, and it sounds harsh, you're right, because it's only, what, seven matches. Yep. We look at the next couple. West Ham, and they've just drew Spurs and City in successive matches. Then uh, I think Leicester, who are playing well. Then Everton, who are like top of the league. Then City, then Liverpool. And if you don't want against West Brom, tell me where the points are coming from. And then you literally have one point from the first 12 matches. But, I, but, but, but that, that's what I mean by my first tweet yesterday is, is do you just stick with him? Do you no, just go... I agree. I agree with you. I'm just saying the cons, as we know. Right. I think, yeah. I think we should stick, but it will look it will look rough. But I agree right. we should stick with Parker. Right. Yeah. And again, um I'll I'll end with this and guys, great show. You know, Max brought up a good point. Well, what happens if they lose to West Brom? It could get ugly, and I'll just flip it and say, Well, what if this team gels at and learns from this match, Max, and wins? You know, glass half full rust. Here we yeah. go. Oh, good. Okay, so I'm I'm going to add on a high and say, well, what if they can learn from this? Because, again, there are positives to take out of this loss because, again, we, we see glimpses of it, but they need to learn what they did wrong. And that's why I do hope after this match that they do a complete look at this match and figure out what they did wrong because, again, that's what good teams do. They not only look at the, at the at the opponent coming up, but they look at the match before and they analyze it. So you know what? This is where we screwed up. That's what Parker and the players need to do because if they can figure out what they're doing wrong and then bring that into the match against West Brom, maybe they have a chance to get all three points because they certainly need it. All right. Good show, guys. Great show. But we certainly do need to wrap this up. For my co-host, Mike Gregg and... Max Cohen, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. The is it morning yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. And save up to $700 on ceiling. Talk to a sleep expert and unjunk your sleep today. Mattress Firm. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.